0: Welcome back to another episode of Woody Banter. Your hosts, uh, Nabil, Daniel and Anika are here with our special guest, Salma Tufel. Salma, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
2: All the way from England. Thank, yep. you, thank you for waking up at uh, what time of night is it?
1: It is uh, 12 o'clock at night. So I had to have my nap.
2: <laughs> Siesta. So so you don't sleep on a weekend at, late at night or is every day your weekend? is a weekend. So you take yeah,
1: nap.
0: but
2: I still sleep well at night. <laughs> <laughs> well that is that is great to know.
0: So Salma for our uh listeners, um maybe we can start with just uh, uh a brief description of uh kind of what you're up to. My understanding is you are an artist and a teacher, but uh
2: what else are you that we do not know of? Yes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> well, I I am an
1: educator and I am an artist. That That is basically what I am. Um, but I do less educating now and more arting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, if that is a word, I guess you are also a writer. Maybe you educate people I'm through your creator. art. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm. So maybe you educate so, people through your art maybe you're still an educator
1: Oh, that would be nice but am I am a student that that I am I'm a student of Spanish hmm so I'm more of a learner now
0: and does the uh, is, is there a Spanish influence now on your art um, or I guess how would you describe your art style
1: hmm well I hadn't thought about it very deeply but over the years I think my art is more a narrative than than it, than anything else.
0: Okay, and and is there... So, you you paint, is that correct?
3: And draws. Yeah.
0: And draw, okay. Calibri-
3: Calligraphy. What I do, have a few of her pieces. Ah, okay. A collector <laughs> here. Room. Yes, a collector. <laughs> <laughs> I have three of your pieces, actually, I think, mm-hmm. in my room. And, One of them is abstract, I would say. It's mm-hmm. like a painting, and then... You have like a little bit of realism with the pictures of the mosque, or those are like drawings. Um,
2: Which one is the abstract one? Uh, is it the one with the, the it windows? It looks like a window. Yeah, yeah.
3: Maybe it is. Windows with shadows. Chat- but it looks more abstract.
2: So Salma, tell us about the evolution of your narrative, and, and we love guests who... Ramble on, even though this is all about witty banter, we don't mind if the <laughs> volleying goes in one direction more than the other. So, so keep going. <laughs> okay, you want a rambler? You've got a rambler. Mm.
1: <clears throat> no, I. One of my problems with art is that I tend to be a bit too realistic, not hyper realistic, because that would be cool. Mm. Mine is just a boring realism. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get away from that and be more, more abstract because I don't see life... I want to show how I see life. And so I go into um, surrealism to get away from the the realism because life is not real the way that people perceive realism to be.
0: Right. I I mean,
1: be- like, like us sitting here. This is you know, for someone of my generation, this is just very unrealistic.
0: Us communicating so, through the internet.
3: While broadcasting yeah.
0: it. Yeah, while broadcasting Two Thousands. It. Or thousands. Thousands and millions of <laughs> viewers.
3: But look, Potentially.
2: Yeah, this is an exclusive group, so... Yes, we yes. we take
0: pride in uh, low numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- I think it, it's yeah, probably... That, that,
1: that reminds me of a, a guy that... Nasser and I met on the train in Italy, and he made his, he was showing off about these special wines that he makes, mm. and somebody said, ah, oh, how much do you sell them for? And he goes, they, I can't sell them, they are uh, priceless. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: no. Our millions. conversation
1: is so priceless that <laughs> nobody can hear it but us. <laughs>
2: that is true that is true so tell us more about your art and your relationship with surrealism and reality um and maybe i know nabil took a deep breath which means he's inspired to say something well i so. was
0: just going to say um yeah i think pro- so surreal art is probably more interesting because uh i mean if you're going for realistic art it's already something where fami- uh humans are familiar with and um You know, we already see that, but if someone's able to show us something different, uh, then that's very useful. I also think that uh, life is very complex, and, you know, we see life through our eyes and our ears, and it's a very uh, human uh, perception, but if you attempt to create abstract art, you can, you know, you're taking a guess at uh, how maybe other beings... uh, other ways of perceiving it. So I think that's uh, an interesting uh, uh, angle to attack art with. Um, so when you uh, when you create something artistic, do you have uh, any methodology that you go through or is it kind of um, more uh, like freestyle?
2: And you might want to give us an example of a piece of art that is really... Uh, You you feel a strong affinity to either the pieces that are in Daniel's collection or in my collection or or something that you're already working with uh, or currently working with
1: Hmm. Well, first of all, let me get back to what uh, Nabil was saying Um, That is something I hadn't um, Something I read recently Kind of put everything together that there are two parts of our brain one part experiences what we experience. The other part translates that experience into a narrative so that we can understand what we've experienced hmm. and i have from from early childhood found it very strange how one event can happen, and all the people at that event have understood it differently right. And I thought it was a linguistic thing because it is also a linguistic thing because you can, we can have this conversation and we can all leave with a different uh, view of how we had our discussion. But visually or any experience, it has to go through our filter of narrative. And then what we produce is... is has gone through that narrative and so that is what my art does for me Mm -hmm. and I think that is what it, anything you produce, whether it's Anika's writing or, you know, your your app that you're working on, Mm -hmm. whatever you're creating goes through something that will make it yours and very uniquely yours because nobody else can feel or process that information the way you do
3: oh i was gonna say something go ahead do you think um like any creative thing maybe not just art but like do you think there really is a truly original or is most of what you create based off of something or influenced by something do you think you could ever create something that was like truly just a, original and no one had thought of or just i guess for everyone not just something all
0: uh, um, do yeah. I think I could have do you think I can create something that has no influence yeah or do you think there's been uh, something
3: like the first creator or it, has everything been based off of something well or? the
2: nuance that you bring to it what Salman was saying earlier um, is it makes it unique so even if it is an imitation unless it's a photocopied imitation but I, I would imagine even a photocopied imitation Might have a degree of uniqueness to it, which I think, and I am not a student of the fine and visual arts, but there is a study of of um, mimeographed art, or you know, that kind of which is photocopied. But there's a, I I feel that there is also a study of uh, you know replicated art and its individuality as it is being replicated from a different time perspective or color perspective or, you know, um, I don't know. And I,
0: I think the the tools we use kind of uh, limit us in a way where, um, I mean, you're, you're like, if you use a pencil to draw something, that in itself is a, an influence in that whatever you're going to be displaying is going to be through the medium of uh, lead pencil or something. But th- there is a huge range of things you can do with that. So... Uh, so that al- alone is an influence, but I think the um, thing that makes art and creative endeavors interesting is when you put things together in some sort of creative way and then people are like, whoa. When you combine, you take existing things and make something new, uh, then people are are kind of interested in that. Um,
2: so is everything that's created unique? And we let our, because there's a time lapse every time... Selma opens her mouth, it's already a minute passed and somebody, somebody else has jumped. Has, somebody's already said something. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I
1: was going to say that this takes us back to the concept of algorithms and how musical compositions have been made which musicians cannot identify as artificially created or uh, made by human beings because that the various algorithms that function in our brain that help us create this new thing um, can now for music be replicated through a computer. The question is, can that happen with art too? Because as humans become more sophisticated, as, no, we're not becoming more sophisticated as computers become more
2: sophisticated. (laughs) And and we remain the Neanderthals.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if um, if they are the com- the Neanderthals who created the computers, you can give them a bit of credit.
0: We're we're sophisticated to a degree, but we have our limitations that computers could surpass us with. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you bring an interesting point. Is uh, yeah, I think I think you could produce art algorithmically. If you just think of a circle, uh, you could spell a circle. Or you, sorry, you could describe a circle in a function of some sort so if you and if a computer's job is to take functions and then produce something with it then you know that complexity can can be achieved but but, but yeah that that's i'm sure very difficult uh, but i think it's possible
2: so tell us a bit more about your art because you moved from uh, you you started as a student of art and were more real you know had more realistic art, and then you had uh, interpretations of mystic poetry and um, what's the relationship between mysticism and and art and poetry for you
1: mm. well, to begin with, I just wanted to reflect something that was in me that was when I was much younger, and so I created art which just showed what i felt, whether it was in the past or the present. And then gradually, it's hard to be objective about yourself, but um, with, with age, I started thinking of all the information that's inside me, not just my memories, not the conscious memories, but all the memories that are embedded that I don't remember. So there's a lot of stuff that I know that I don't know but it's there at least I like to believe it's there
0: <laughs> yes
1: I have a lot of information inside me just don't know what I it need is to access it <laughs> it's <laughs> archived
2: yes it's all archived yeah
1: <laughs> it it is but I don't have that that rosetta stone to decipher everything in my DNA so I I thought of meditation, because I think at this point in time, other than hypnotism and other processes people use, meditation is one way to access the deeper part of our brain because we shut out all the noise. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And once we've shut out all the noise from the media, from just general day-to-day living, grocery shopping, car fixing, we can get to deeper things that's what i believed and in that process i uh, started reading more uh, mystical poetry and i i was going to say i started reading but the thing is from our childhood our auntie used to sing to us poetry from the sufis and so it was always a part of our lives but I didn't study it consciously. So when I'd go to Pakistan, I'd look for books um, of the poetry, of the mystics, of the Punjab, and from there, I, because I was studying Spanish, I started looking at works by Spanish mystics, and then third, I thought of the English mystics, because I was just Googling away, and I thought, huh, you know, because you don't, when you think of the English, you don't,
2: I don't really think of mystics.
1: I think
3: of hippies. <laughs> I don't
0: really think that, but yeah, I know what? what you're
2: saying. He thinks of hippies. Why, Why can we just hear why Daniel thinks of I don't England? know, because I've
3: never heard of, oh, well, you were talking about English. Yes, I yes. I didn't think you were talking about British. Either. Yeah.
2: Oh, you're thinking yeah. English speakers. Yeah, yeah. As hippies versus religious mysticism. Okay.
3: I've never heard of that, actually, like that that, that
2: concept okay
3: of english
1: ah, so you're thinking of the the spiritual people who who go to what what is that thing called ashrams the burning burning, oh, man? burning man? man
3: yeah that, yeah that's exactly what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> what english uh mysticism is it, or is it like from what probably What's like
0: shamans? shamans shamans oh. well i only say that because oh, i saw yeah. that <laughs> amazon program of uh I think it's called Britannia or something. Uh, I think you saw it too. As
2: a pre-Christianity, yes. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: like part of the... There was a first like, uh, you know, your medieval uh, program, but it had like some mysticism in there. Mm. So that was a unique thing. And there was always
2: some substance that takes you to another state of mind. But your interest was not so much of pre-Christianity, was it? It was more of connection with... Um, an offshoot of or or connection with religion, Selma. Since you can't
1: see it. Well, most mysticism that I know of is religion is the vehicle of that. But once I'd read poetry of mystics from different religions and they pretty much had the same core substance. And I thought, well, this is not really religion. This is more human. Mm -hmm. And then You know, I I went further abroad and saw that, yeah, it is, it's a human experience. And I thought, oh, well, then it has to be something to do with the human mind. And and then I read this um, book called The Third Man Factor. And that is when our body goes through extreme stress of either monotony or fear if you're shipwrecked or stuck in some avalanche somewhere or any kind of extreme experience and it doesn't have to be violent it can be just sitting in the North Pole in are doing you know where you're alone for long periods of time and at some point the brain generates this other presence hmm. and that presence can either make you feel better or sometimes it guides you to just jump into a sea of sharks
2: mm.
1: because you think you think it's home mm. and you just jump off the ship but the brain is playing tricks on you and I, I thought ah so but but in in many cases and th- this has been recorded by um people who mountain climbers and um that it has actually guided them to safety through a part of the mountain that they had never been through before. But they felt that someone had actually told them, Now take a left here and keep going or whatever. They they felt guided.
2: But do you and, think the mind needs to do you think the mind needs to have that experience only in extreme situations or not? Does it, does it only... Can you extreme? channel
0: it for creative endeavors? Yes. Is that the same thing you're channeling when you're, when you're making a piece of art? Is it the same... Uh,
2: or, or even I was thinking of Daniel and his cooking. You know, when he's cooking something to perfection. Mm. Um, is Maybe. that... Hmm?
3: There's a lot of... Um, well, I was thinking of coders that take mm. DMT or L- LSD to help solve problems problem oh, yeah. solve and stuff like that so because that what i've heard in those states of like, desperation oh. when you're like either about to die or you're starving or you get yeah. to that extreme state is that the um chemical in your brain dmt is released which has those symptoms of having a, a aura that's bigger than you that's guiding you and um what is it almost like an so outer body, body experience. So it has
2: to be kind of hypnotic, so uh, to lose control. Because and then I'll I'll channel it back to Selma again. Yeah. The concept of control, particularly in your art, uh, or the the uh, y- your ability to lose control and still be creative, or use the lack of control to be creative. so. Yeah.
3: Are you asking if spin. she's taken drugs while doing art? <laughs> Why not? Why not? What, what?
2: <laughs> or does she aspire to? Because I know as, as in writing sometimes I think, okay, I want to not be so self-conscious of myself as the creator as I write.
1: Well, um, I, I have a very basic theory for that. It It's to do with driving. When, when you learn to drive, you're very cautious. You look at every stop sign. You look at every, you know and you're very careful there comes a time when you get from point a to b and you don't remember how you got there even though you were the one driving i
2: don't know <laughs> if <I'm the> one. <laughs> yeah. i don't know well, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll,
0: I'll be driving and uh and then like maybe two minutes will go by and then i'll be like whoa like yes yes w- w- how did yes. i not like exactly. crash i don't know what just <laughs> happened <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I'm not the only one. But, uh, well, no, that's
2: not good, but yes, go ahead. But yes, it's a common no, but fact. I, common. I, think
1: it's, I don't think it's in our control. I think it's a natural thing. When you do things frequently enough, it becomes programmed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like when you leave the house and you think, did I switch this on or off? It's. It's. Or oh, when done you it, pray
2: I, I, five times a day, when those who do pray, if you pray, mm-hmm. you, you go into autopilot as you pray.
3: True. Yes, or fighters yes. as well. And you
1: don't remember yeah.
3: praying. Yes. Fighters say they practice so much that like sometimes they don't even remember the actual fight they just had. Yes, so they couldn't yes. tell you how they won. It's, the, because so they it's practiced. muscle memory
2: kind yeah. of they talk about that lets your body take over right. and not concentrate.
0: So, one, so
1: I think the thing that goes for... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, it goes for creative endeavors too. That you write, and you write, and you write, or you paint, and you paint. And then I know that some days when I when I paint, hours go by and I think, oh, it's sunset already, and I've just been painting, and I haven't noticed the time. And that's another thing which is surreal, the sense of time. You, you can't really... Some some minutes are very very long and some minutes are very very short. Right. So I think to get back to what Anika is saying, if you, it's nice to lose control, but you have to have many hours of controlled practice to get to make it part of your repertoire, and then you can lose control. I think Uh,
0: it's a controlled loss of control. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of uh, techniques to uh, to start or do a creative endeavor, we had a guest Gerardo on and we were talking about um, finding uh, inspiration when you have like what some would call a creative block or a lull in your uh, kind of will and motivation to do the creative endeavor that you have. Um, Do you run into lulls where you're just not feeling inspired and do you have any techniques to kind of get yourself going in the right direction?
1: Oh, yes. For art, it's always museums Or, or even art programs. They have a channel here called Sky Arts and just watching other people create, uh, looking at what people have created, going for long walks, it clears the brain. Um, And because I get my inspiration from mystic poetry, I read poetry. Uh, Sometimes some verses really, you know, sound, resonate. Hmm. And so that is, and earlier you were saying, what is the process? That is the process where I, something inspires me to do something else, in, to, an image comes to my mind. So, for example, um, when uh, Aisha, my sister, asked me to make her a painting, I I know that she loves flowers, but... And um, she wanted something of a whirling dharish. So in my mind, um, because I was in California at the time, and I saw these kaya lilies, and the little bit in the middle, it reminded me of the hat of the the dharish. And the white was like the, the, the gowns that they wear. And so that image kind of developed and developed and and now i'm working on a a painting which has eight to ten kaya lilies but they look like whirling their wish so Mm. it's a bit of both
0: Mm. yeah for me i'll get blocks of or blocks where i'm just like ah i don't feel like programming or i don't feel like working on my project um Let's see. What would the equivalent of a museum be? It would for a someone who's programming.
2: Wouldn't um, it be an app that you think, wow? How an story. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: I guess it would have to be the. You'd have to be able to see the code, which yes. you know, there's a lot of open source code. Um, but I guess I haven't really uh, developed the the in,
2: appreciation of somebody else's coding.
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's probably something I need to work on, but um.
1: You know yeah. what? You know what, Nabil? I uh I go to lots of meetups because I I love meeting up with people. There was a, a new meetup um that somebody made where people who create apps get together to discuss the apps that they're creating.
0: Mm. Like a and I
1: thought, well, that for me this give and take with people who are doing the similar sort of things to myself that gives me a lot of motivation so
2: yeah on that note when i first started writing i was a bit wary of meeting with people who were also writers and part of it it was i thought they um they know as little as i do you know what am i going to learn from them and I had to go often enough to realize everybody got, knows will provide me something unique and maybe even not provide me un, something unique related to the craft, but will, re, will either through their personality or the way they talk about things or the way they tell me how things resonate. And you think, really, you connect with that? It just kind of opens up my mind to other ways of seeing things. Um, and to remind myself to co- get out of my own comfort zone, and um, which I think can be deadly to your creativity, because if you're constantly surrounding yourself with what you're familiar with, um, it can give you a lot of comfort and pleasure, but it can reduce your ability to think differently. So... Um, I agree with you, finding people who are interested in the kind of thing you're interested in and observing them not as people who are mentors or people who will guide you, but observe them with a creative eye and and use that moment to think of your own craft.
0: Yeah, because I've uh, listened to some musicians, at least in the hip-hop world, and a lot of them, when you ask them hey like who do you listen who do you what are the new artists you like and a lot of times they'll just say i don't listen to it because sometimes subconsciously they'll get affected by it and mm-hmm. then the music they put out will start to maybe imitate yeah exactly so some artists i know even beyond music um they like to l- live in isolation in that regard um so but yeah i guess it's healthy to tune tap into your community of artists to see what's going on, but then you also have to just, uh, you know, uh, be careful not to imitate or anything like that. Yeah,
2: that that is true. Um, but I would imagine... But that, is, that is
1: how um, all these isms are formed. Like surrealism, that was at a time when psychiatry was big and people were studying the brain and... And because they were trying to depict dreams and things like that. The the whole okay, now this is going to sound very convoluted, but just That's okay. Um, right. We're Listen.
0: strapped in. <laughs> yeah, I know. How, how much time do I have? And you
2: are our guest, so we will respect that.
0: <laughs> we're Go gonna ahead. dig we're gonna dig for gold now.
1: <laughs> I I I just need time. Um <clears throat> oh
3: no oh no oh no no, <laughs> no. You come, lost back, it?
0: come back to it <laughs> i was just thinking convoluted i guess
3: you guys were talking about pretty much two different ways of of learning or honing your craft like mm-hmm. i don't think there's one way like nabil was saying there's probably people who learn better on their own or learn better from video or learn better from just practicing mm-hmm. i think everyone benefits from just practicing but um yeah i guess you I don't know. I guess it maybe it depends on what what you're actually doing. Maybe there's certain tasks that are better to learn from other people or learn like in the presence of other people versus like music that might be better if you're just by yourself or uh, with a producer that I, has I your also, style.
2: So yes, I mean, what what I think of when you mention that is. Um, communal learning and communal creativity versus individual and the individual and the ego, and sometimes the relationship with gender and the expectation, gender and cultural gender expectations. I have found connecting with people that are somewhat familiar with, connecting with people is, was culturally, was a cultural expectation and mm-hmm. a gender culture expectation as well. And it helps strengthen my thoughts um, without judgment. Um, whereas sometimes I feel when you're a, a individual, it's about the self versus the connecting with others. Um, mm-hmm. So I know it's could, not binary. you could
1: just work with a balance.
2: Yes. You, yes. you could, and, and that's what I like, that.
1: I like to go and get inspired by people, I like to listen to them, I like to um, discover new things, but then I want to go into my own space and then process it and come up with what, you know, my own, but like Nabila was saying, sometimes you just need your own space to just keep doing what you want to do, Mm -hmm. but I do like to create in a group where we're not, everybody's doing their own thing. I like to be around people, but not necessarily doing things with them all the time. Them doing their thing, me doing my thing, but and in different spaces, and not interfering. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Well, that relates to a lot of stand-up comedians. Um, A lot of times, they have to to get material. They just have to like live life for a little bit, and that helps them develop. You know. a stand-up bit um so they're going th- about life and then just analyzing it and that helps them put it together so yeah you're right you need you do need to in some endeavors you need to go experience life to have something to you know think about anyway
3: what do um, you think would like i was just thinking of areas in coding that you would benefit with people because i remember you're trying to get me and other people to rg to be in your presence to code so that we could work on something. I like that. Yeah. Be in I your presence like... sounds so godly, yeah, doesn't right? it? Yeah, <laughs> Being blessed by Nabil's presence. So are you asking. So, like, do you think that coding is a one-man like learning sport, or do you think you would learn more effectively if you were surrounded by uh, other people who had the same skill level as you? Uh,
0: the learning thing, I think it's pretty. I think it's personal. Uh, depends on the human um, in general I would argue that anything the more people you have the faster you can probably accomplish things so if you're talking about developing an app you know you're gonna accomplish way more if you have a team that works together mm-hmm. to to build something uh, in regards to just learning, learning yeah because um, yeah, basically the background story on this is uh, you know I have general interest in wanting to develop a game. Uh, I'm learning about database stuff because that's going to not only help me make a game, but help me get a job in the industry faster than me learning how to use a graphics engine, which is the second part of the whole equation. Graphics engines are a much more, uh, you need a deep understanding. And if I, if I tried to tackle that first, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd gain the skills required for some entry level role um, so that's why I talked to Daniel and other friends to say, "Hey, I'm learning about database stuff. How about you guys download one of these <laughs> graphics <laughs> engines and try and figure it out?" Um, or even
3: just coding, though. You wanted Ajit to, like, work on something coding related. Like, he would do the back end, you would do front end coding. Right.
0: Stuff. Well, at this point, I would want him to learn how to how to do work graphic a graphics engines. engine to to develop some sort of automated art, but um. But yeah, uh, group learning, yeah, I guess it could be, yeah. Like I'm group thinking learning. for
3: like digital marketing. When I'm doing, like when I'm working in different platforms, Like I definitely like to work on my own thing. I get more done that way. But like if I want to learn or if I'm starting to work on something else, mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier to just ask someone like, okay, what do what's, do? yeah, what's going to be approved, disapproved if I upload on this platform or what are some issues that I'll run into versus me trying to figure it out on my own Googling and like opening multiple yeah. tabs, trying to find out what the issue is.
1: Um, you know what? One one of our great strengths as human beings is to be able to function in groups. So if you, if you are working on a creative project and you can inspire people to join you and do the bit, other pieces and to help build whatever you're building, th- that is... That is one of the things that successful humans do well. That's that's what yeah. the prophets did. Yeah. That, so you you've, you've you you can be a set of stories. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's how humans evolved, right? They're in gr- they're adaptive and work in groups. Yeah. I think that's how we've survived up until this point.
2: So we you know we, I think this is our 11th um, yeah this is the 11th 11. episode um, what's been unique about all of our guests and ourselves I think as well is that we straddle very unique cultures uh, in very very kind of different group whether you know Michael and you know the background he brought or, or uh, Gerardo and you I, know... I
1: found Gerardo's talk very very interesting and just to think he's a Mayan, and I was looking at it and thinking, huh
2: yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Mayan. Yes. Yeah, well, so, so so, on that note, you know tell us more of what, because we do like to make sure that for each guest there 's a connection in some way in creativity and you know themes that we find similar. What resonated for you with the conversation with herard, though, if you can remember anything in particular. And your own traveling around the world and being living in Dubai and living in Pakistan and California and now in Spain and and also in England, what role does that play in in your creativity? And where does it maybe create a hindrance? I don't know.
1: No, I don't think there's any hindrance. I I love it. What when Gerardo said that when he goes back at home or The other home the second home it's you know this is home too the time seems to slow down and everything goes slowly we all
2: connected with that
1: (laughs) we did we did but the thing is that wherever you go whether uh, I lived in Madrid for a while I lived in Dubai I lived in Qatar whichever culture you go in there's there's a lot of similarity and the differences are um, what give it flavor, it's like spices. The basic thing is always the same. That is what I have from having lived in different places. The basic needs of people are the same. Um, To be accepted, to be respected, all of that. But then you've got these other flavors which people pride themselves on as our culture and those are a little bit different what what do people pride themselves on if you go you know and i like all the flavors it's like having um
2: i think it's enriched my life and anything in particular from any culture that you think this is what has really directed and helped me focus in either my writing or my teaching or my artwork or, or any other in your life. I,
1: I think it was a <clears throat> the Punjabi Sufis. Mm. They they have grounded me. What what they say resonates. I can relate. I I love the 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 sound of the Punjabi poetry. I love I just love that language. So that that really and, and I'm not an expert. And I spent a full summer break looking for a Punjabi to Urdu to English Dictionary, which a dear friend and relative in Chakwal found for me because I wanted to know more. So I'm not an expert, but based on what I know, that resonates the most. Sufi poetry from the Punjab.
2: And why is that distinguished from um, other other mystic poetries Hmm.
1: Um, I think the the Punjabi mystics that I love (laughs) um, don't really like prescribed religion and
2: can you name them
1: the name the ones that you like
2: inquisition (laughs) (laughs) no 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 I'm saying name them as in you know Uh, which yeah, ones Sultan
1: do you like? Bahu. I, I love Sultan Bahu. I just uh, Baba Farid, Th- These people um, go for what I believe is the essence of religion, which is the essence of humanity, and all these other rituals, which are not worthless, because it's the rituals that have helped communities unite. So rituals are a very useful part of helping us as human communities be stronger and supportive and develop, but taken to an extreme it just becomes ridiculous. And I think in the other mystics that I have read, or later mystics, uh they kind of cling too much to prescribed religion.
2: Ah, oh, okay.
1: So and you, that doesn't So you want to so.
2: disconnect. Uh, You know, in relation to the storytelling and uh, the narratives and so on, this morning we were discussing with Manim uh, the video game that Nabil and Daniel have been playing with Faisal and Ajit. Ajit recently and the concept of storytelling in that video game, which is interesting and maybe you want to share that experience or that conversation?
0: Yeah, so, the, well, the the background on the video game, it's a game called Detroit uh, Become Human, and it's a story about uh, human society in the future, and we have um, basically robots that help um, do your cleaning and uh, other sort of services. So, you play three three storylines that are in the same world but you play their story individually uh, and it kind of each chapter is a, a different part of that person that uh, android's story um and it's an interesting game because it's not your you don't have to be like uh, there's aren't a lot of micro mechanics that you have to manage it's very much like a decision-based thing where you kind of the walking around is very straightforward and you run into an encounter and then you, you have like four options to choose from on how you want to react, how you want to respond to a person. Uh, and each decision you make will also change the outcome of the game. So, you know, uh, your story can end up much differently than other players' stories. Um, so that's the that's the game. And I, I forgot what the conversation we were having about it was.
2: In relation. Yes, it just kind of it's interesting because it's uh this you know being humanity we were just talking about mystic poetry and and the essence of humanity. Mm. And now we're talking about video gaming and one of the things one of my takeaways from our discussion this morning was that the the appeal of video games particularly this one or others as well is the the amount of time you can stay engaged with them. So that was interesting to me, um, particularly when we question the ability of millennials to concentrate for too long.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you think, oh, that's interesting, and you you find something that takes longer to do more appealing than watching a you know an hour and a half movie. Uh, But also the concept of the wanting to participate in the storytelling and finding yourself. And I don't know, I'd love to see the game because Mm. I'm interested in hearing, but I don't know what Daniel's perspective.
3: Yeah, so it's interesting because you're you're almost like figuring out uh, what your purpose is with each storyline, and they all kind of intertwine um, later in the story, but... Uh, I guess what makes video games more interest, or I guess interesting to us, is that you get to be part of the story and tell the story, mm-hmm. rather than you kind of you're absor- or well, observing it. isn't
1: that like the episode of Black Mirror, the recent one?
3: Yeah, I was gonna say it's like uh, it's almost like Blade Runner and also Black Mirror kind of like the whole Did you see the, yeah, I, the?
0: the are you referring to the Black Mirror episode? It's like oh, it oh, was a movie. short movie uh, called Banter Snatch or something.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This it's is like
0: this is very much like that. Where so if you're not familiar, no, I am not familiar. Uh, Black, <laughs> well, Black Mirror is a series, uh, a, a show that uh, each episode is very different. It's and about dystopian, dystopian future. Yeah. That you've that, seen that,
2: it. that 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 I have seen that. But you haven't seen the, movie. the episode. So the latest
0: yes. uh, a one mm. is a, a movie, and in the movie you can decide, like as the movie's playing out, you mm. use your remote to. Pick how you want the story to continue. Mm-hmm. Very similar mm-hmm. to the game. There
2: used to be mm-hmm. children's books that were written that way. Right. That choose your. They reference that as well.
3: In the, oh, in it's the,
0: movie. the same concept. Um, although I think this, I think the game that we're yeah. referring to is much better than the, the only
3: issue with it, like yes. the I guess that movie we had was that they give you choices, but you pretty much had to have done one certain thing. Um yeah, like
0: it's, it's like you, you, there's four choices, and three of them you're definitely gonna fail, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, oh, oh. So, that, that was the You only have flaw. to make the
2: right choice.
0: Yeah, like you'll make a decision and then, like, the story will end and then you have to, it'll bring you back and then you have to choose another one. Right. Whereas the so Detroit like, game is, it'll keep going. Like, it won't, you, there's mm. no.
3: There's like 40 different outcomes at the end, like, it, of this, of Detroit becoming human versus, I feel like in Bandersnatch it was like eight. Yeah, six, but cars. it's
0: the same idea and I also think it, um, it's kind of uh, indicative of how uh, f- entertainment will be, human entertainment will be in the future, where it's right now entertainment is developed and created by a group of people and it's fixed, and then we they send it out to us and we consume it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the future of entertainment will be very much uh, tailored sure. to a, an individual's desires. So. You will be put into these experiences and, you know, we'll be able to react uh, and it'll change the way the whole movie or game will play out.
1: I can imagine um, the population getting very nervous about that because one of the things that humans have liked as groups is predictability, which is why you have all the laws and rules and regulations. Right. Right. I think but to give a human the freedom to sort of say you you create what entertains you mm-hmm. then you have as many different options as you have humans or do you
0: <laughs> well I think I think actually the um well one I think you could still have the element of predictability in the in the actual environment yes you're you are the one who is unpredictable but I think the experience will be similar to that if you were walking around in uh, some city there's an there are elements of predictability so i think that will still be there but um and then there was a comment on i don't, I don't know if you said it or selma but it was um oh will there be a, a limit to the the amount of options there are? i think the 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 creativity will come from the AI, the machine that's that's um, develops the, that develops the experience. They're going to be the ones who make the the content interesting. Um,
2: so uh, here's, here's my question: How unpredictable are we as individuals? I, I mean, Salma, Nabil, Dania, Lanika, the four of us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, apart from having you know some kind of some fuse going off in our minds mm-hmm. how unpredictable are we as individuals where we would make decisions and do things where you think where the heck did that come from i can give you an example okay, so, go ahead. So,
3: so i think like if you're talking relative to robots i'm sure that we would probably be pretty predictable yeah but relative to each other i think we can be super unpredictable like in the game There was a scenario where it was like either you go peaceful protest, Mm -hmm. like uh, civil war, or you run. And so I went the civil war route, where I was like, all right, everyone, like, go in, go in. So yeah. (laughs) So Nabil and Ajit were expecting me to be like extremely violent throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But whenever they gave me the option to spare someone's life in the middle of this war. Yeah. I was like, no, I'll spare yeah, it. Like, it's like kill or spare, and we're yeah. like,
0: oh yeah, he's gonna kill him. Yeah, kill him. He's kill kill him. him. <laughs> and then Diana would just spare his life. <laughs> <laughs> what would be so, the
2: outcome of sparing the, the life?
3: You know what's funny? I don't. Uh, I, I doubt I'm, it would change the, the thing outcome. that much. Yeah, you,
0: you're still disabling them, so, so you either permanently disable them or temporarily. Oh, I'll kill. tell you
3: how because there was another scenario where I did that and I ended up killing him, and they did a like a news report and they added that aspect that i had killed someone so they're oh, like yeah. even though these like ai robots are looking for equal, you know equal, equal rights. rights and peace or equal yes, rights yes, and yes. you know to be free they're also violent so we're looking at them as terrorism or you, you can
2: you so. as human beings we there are times when you snap and that mm-hmm. to me is a scary i have a scary fascination of the mind in in that unpredictability of things and um generally when we've seen people behave uh aggressively it's kind of it's not unexpected it's kind of yeah this person they behave this way and therefore they're behaving this way now um i don't know i, I have you ever had experiences where someone who is generally not very peaceful on or, or tends to be more aggressive behave the opposite uh, I mean you do have people who lose it all of a sudden you think, "Oh, what happened there?" But do you have people going in reverse and and can you do you uh, think we're uh, basically my question is are we as unpredictable as we think we are unless we 're having a nervous breakdown or something
0: i think we're predictable we 're more predictable than we are unpredictable in large groups, like if you 're looking at a group of people um but I, I of
1: agree it. with you but if we're in a large group and the mob mentality strikes yes then we can do things which are very unpredictable It
2: reminds me of the lottery <coughs> that the you know remember the short story by Shirley oh, yeah. Jackson that
3: was a good uh short story
2: uh, where the 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 city the town is doing a lottery and you mm-hmm. don't know what it's all about and it you it ends up being that one person is going to be stoned Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason for this person to be
3: killed. It's for the crops. Uh, But there's no,
2: there's no, you know, there's no logic behind it. It's just, they've all decided that every year or every month or whenever in on a, as ritualistically, they're going to kill someone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only at the end that you realize, and these are, you know, families with kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, so yes, in mob mentality. uh, In a group. In yes. a group humans can be very unpredictable. I think. They can be unpredictably mean. Can they un be
3: unpredictably kind? Yeah, like some like they tip like a hundred dollars, like, whoa, I wasn't expecting
0: well, that. Well so in groups so well one when I was when I used the term group I meant more like if you look at middle class um humans mm-hmm. in Redwood City, mm-hmm. you can guess maybe what car they own or what they do for a living or uh, what they like for entertainment, um, but yeah, in regards to actually physically being next to another person in a group, mm-hmm. um, uh, you're you can be predictable in the sense that y- there's that whole idea of when when one person says something and it's wrong. Other people start to agree with it, but nobody like questions it. Do you, you know, do you know what yes, I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where or and and that builds and then it becomes harder and harder when somebody knows the right answer, and it, it now becomes harder for them to like say, No, this is wrong, because now your first year was maybe a one versus one. Now it's like one versus the whole group mm-hmm. and you're scared to speak out. Um so I mean I don't know how that plays into predictability. It's it's predictable in the sense that if someone says something, other people are likely to agree, even though it's wrong. Um, but I and then I guess the unpredictable factor would be the guy who knows the truth, or I don't yes. know. Yes, I've taken well, this conversation so again, off the rails. No, no, no,
2: no. <laughs> but it it is kind of it, it's we join in when when our community is being negative. We join in being negative. My question is, do we join in if somebody in our community is doing good? Uh, yes, is it just I as easy to slip do. into that?
1: that? That's how we've got charities. Somebody decides they, these, this group of people needs help or dogs or cats, and then other people yeah, are inspired to join them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: think the more we uh, become a, gl- a global society, the easier it'll be for um, for uh, the right thing to come out of hu- uh, humans. You know before the internet you were kind of stuck in your local community in a sense in regards to knowing what other people think and so so with that you're sometimes you know you're stuck with just ideas within a local geographic group but with the internet now you can you have so many different perspectives it's I think it's easier for people to uh, you know make logical decisions Um, and you know
2: Yeah, I agree. Human rights, uh, you know, gay, lesbian, kind of bisexual, that that kind of, all of these groups or all of these ways that people have been racial discrimination, um, linguistic. Well, I think
1: it works in both ways. For a lot of people, it does level the playing field, but then those who are afraid of change, they hunker down and they hold on tight. Racist misogynist views become more solidified, mm. I think. In,
2: in they become stronger the, against the larger world that, you know, we're going to hang, we're going to be the last person standing, holding on to what we think is right.
1: Yes, because for centuries people have felt this is the right way to be. So how come we're being told it's not? They're people who have that sort of mentality. That's true with
2: Brexit and with all the other, the wall and all of that. Oh, but we're not, you know. Yes, you're right. I, you, you told me no politics. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: I know, I know, uh,
0: I know. And just to know, if you want, you can talk about politics. I just uh, state no, kind of that no, I am not no, interested in it we, because everybody and that's all over the internet. Yes, so.
2: yes. And the goal here is to focus on the creative aspect of humanity and
0: and, and positive and be we as, like be as constructive
2: and positive as possible. So we have three minutes left till the end of the podcast. That is so. true. So. Wow.
0: Um, Is there anything, um, anything on your mind?
1: Yeah, let's talk about the future uh, in three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Quantum physics. physics. What your future uh, creativity? What are you going to do to enhance your
2: creativity?
0: Ah, yes.
2: That's our question to our guest for, for sure. So, we start with our guest on about their plan. <laughs> yeah, we're going to flip this one on you. <laughs> Hence the witty banter. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, my my plan for my art, for the future of my art, is to depict a narrative where things are united, not necessarily in a, a happy union, because mm. it isn't always a happy union, but everything is united. It's all part of it. And so I, I don't want to pick one versus the other. And I don't want to have black and white. I want things to to my view of the world to be a
2: unified w- with whatever it has. The essential similarities of things. And do you have a um, website or a
0: any social media links that our viewers can find your uh, work
1: yeah, I do have a WordPress uh which I haven't updated recently but i I plan to uh, it has my writing it has my art it has my thoughts
3: and
0: what is the uh is there an uh, a, a website address or how do how does one s- see that online
2: um you can I send us the just, link and we'll
0: I okay. I can more. send
1: you the link. I think it's selmatafelt at wordpress.com.
0: Your
3: Instagram is interesting.
0: Oh, uh, you have uh, an Instagram. I don't know if I you want to What Instagram is your account. handle yeah. on Instagram? Yeah. Uh,
3: if you want to play it. I think
1: it. It. it's Selbertissimo. Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who it was at first, and so I was following and I was like, oh, I wonder who this is." <laughs> Why did you photo. choose it?
2: What how did that come about?
1: Well, we've got what half a minute left Yes. Uh, yeah,
2: you're running it was time. just
1: a, a <laughs> game that um, my daughter and my son-in-law and I used to play Sergey was the one who introduced me to it and you've got to put your name down mm-hmm. and you play with your own mobile phones or your iPads mm. and so every time people would put a different name just play on your name or just call yourself something else And Mm. so it just stuck.
2: Okay. Gotcha. So that's it. So next week we have Afshan calling in also from...
0: Yes, and you will be over there too, right? I
2: will be in England too. So we'll be waking up early in the morning and um, I'm glad you've set it up already. (laughs) So we'll be able to call in. Yes, well with Afshan she won't need to take a nap because she doesn't sleep.
1: (laughs) That's
0: good. That's good for us.
2: What about the rest of the team? Any updates?
0: Um, I'm still working on my programming uh, I, I I would say I had a lull But I'm gain, gaining my steam back um, so, so that's that uh, Any updates with you On creative I'm, endeavors or otherwise?
3: I'm cleaning And uh, spring cleaning As well as trying to be more minimalistic
0: so. Yes, that's always good Remove yeah. o- objects and okay. items from your life To increase focus
3: Exactly So just keep a clear mind That's my update Nice. I,
2: and I am finishing the final draft of my book and February the 25th, I think, is the day that um, my, my chapter will be read at the San Jose Art Museum.
0: Yes. So f- please come to San Jose. And what day is that
2: again? It's a Sunday. Oh. So, so we'll be we'll be hosting live from the San Jose Museum of Art.
0: I don't know if we'll be hosting live because uh, yeah. I don't know if my data plan will support that. <laughs> but I can definitely record on my phone and yeah. then post it later. Sounds good. Um, so.
1: Oh, that would be interesting. Very interesting.
0: Yeah, a first for Woody banter. Uh, yes, not yeah. in the in mm. the living room. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, thank you for tuning in, and catch you later. Toodaloo.